This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by listeners like you. Thanks for using The Tome's Amazon and DMs Guild affiliate links. Welcome to The Tome Book Club. The Tome is a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Tracy Hurley. And I'm Jeff Greiner, serving as co-host today, and in each book club episode, we discuss one D&D-related book, spoilers be damned, in a full book club-style discussion. And our book this time around is I Strahd by P.N. Elrod. I'm assuming pronounced Elrod. That's my pronunciation. Did you, <laughs> did you look that up, Jarrett? Uh, no, no, no. My my rage was pointed elsewhere. Okay. <laughs> by the way, I'm Jared Von Hindeman. Who else which, is here? Which, which you were just about oh, to be introduced. Sorry, you brought me up. You brought me up. I already want to rage. <laughs> Je- Jeff, what was the name of the book you read? I Strahd? Uh, are, are you sure there, there's not more to that title? Because <laughs> I, uh, I, I have I Strahd, colon, The Memories of a Vampire, the me- colon, Memoirs of a Vampire, yeah, yeah. Colon, oh. The Ravenloft Covenant, parentheses, <laughs> Ravenloft Covenant Book 7, or 3, or 1, depending, depending on, on what version you got. Yeah, so my version just listed as I Strahd, the colon, the memoirs of a vampire. Uh, but it does say on the cover art, Ravenloft, the Covenant, as well. Yes. So I guess yeah. we've introduced Jared. Why don't you go Why? ahead and introduce Sorry. Jared, Tracy? <laughs> yeah, my bad. No, it's fine. For those, those who don't know who Jared is, uh, Jared, also known as the D&D Outsider and straight out of head injury theater. So welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> Very professional. Uh, he may, may also like to research a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, I uh, my my research bug. Uh, I, I I tried really hard to find a dead tree version of this, um, for for good reason, and um, the research made it very difficult because of like the eight different filings of the name and edition. <laughs> so uh, used bookstores were hell. So, uh, but uh, thank you, Audible. In the end. And and while we're introducing people, we should also introduce our other book club co-host, Eric Paquette. Hello. Yes. There is... Because, yeah, I Strad also... The sequel, I believe, to the book also starts with I Strad, but colon with a different subtitle. Yeah, it does. I think I have that one, too, maybe. Maybe I don't. I don't know. (laughs) God. I I buy a lot of stuff on Audible. I don't think I did pick that one up, actually. I think I was waiting to see if if I liked this one first. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. But in any case, it's good to have everybody here. Um, since we figured Watsi was big storyline at the moment was was Curse of Strahd, we thought it would be interesting to go back to some of the earlier source material and review uh, the first of the novels inspired by Strahd, as I understand it, entitled I Strahd uh, and other things, as Jared pointed out earlier. Uh, it sets the scene for the legendary adventure in the land of Barovia that people have been sending their characters to tromp through for decades, giving at least one perspective of how Strahd came to rule the land, how he became the land, and how the curse played out over the land as a result of his actions. Now we can we can rant and rave about the book all you want, Jared. Oh, God. Well, actually, my thing is just, I mean, this actually got me upset enough that I contacted uh, P.N. Elrod, or or Pat, as she goes by on her site, um, because I, I had to vent. Um, uh, what, did, what did you guys think of uh, the work of Paul Bamer, uh, the man uh, reading the book? Uh, I, I, I'm assuming you guys also listened to the Audible version? 
I think it on the the ebook format. I did not do the audio. Oh, I say I think oh, Eric I... usually gets the the printed word, and Tracy and I yeah. always go with the audio. Okay, um, what what did you guys think of the? Uh, I I'm envious of one of you. Uh, what did you guys <laughs> think of uh, the uh, narration? I'm gonna let Tracy go first. Uh, I think there were definitely times when I wish I had the print version. Uh, yeah. During the nar- narration, um, but it wasn't. The worst I've ever heard. Yeah, I say, I've, my, my my take is I've had worse, and I've gotten used to listening to audiobook and, and audible readers uh, anyway. So I guess I didn't even occur to me th- that there were issues. Oh my god! Like I mean, the, the problem is, is that I got introduced with audiobooks through uh, the Dresden Files, mm-hmm. and and those are so well done. But but any, anyway, that that's a whole other thing. Um, the thing is, is that I. Uh, I did an illustration of this just so I could get it out of my system because <laughs> there is a like Transylvania robot. Like I think Paul Bamer just thought, okay, it's iStrad. Okay, it's like Asimov's iRobot. So I'm going to be a robot with kind of a Transylvanian accent. And and in in the end, it, it got better. Either that or Stockholm syndrome kicked in because I, I I didn't mind it so much uh, uh, eventually. But uh, I mean, just just one weird like point. Paul Bamer is a, an actor. He's known for playing on Star Trek the unnamed Nazi captain, unnamed <laughs> Nazi officer, unnamed Borg drone. He was on House MD as husband, or the Mentalist is just as patient. Mm-hmm. Do you know who read the original version of this? The the abridged version. I do uh, not. Uh, Roddy McDowell. Oh, cool. Yeah, I found that out from the author. Like, uh, uh, and also the the book is half as long because they they basically yeah. turned an eight hour book into three hours. But uh, yeah, no, I just he the 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 guy reading it just he he had a William Shatner button, where <laughs> when he needed to be dramatic, it would just be full of pauses, and it's. It's it was oh oh you have to listen to, at at one and a half or double speed like I do then the pauses are are non issue oh you cheater <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh you cheater I I am an, I'm a stranger in a strange land yeah you get used to the the speed after a while I actually listened to this one at um uh, no I did listen to this one at double speed and and that one and that went fairly well I li- I've also I recently wish I thought of that yeah I've also recently listened to the latest uh, Salvatore novel because um, I think we're getting ready to review that next month not for the book club but for uh, a review episode um, and at that one I listened to at one and a half speed and I actually I normally don't have the time or I don't want to take the time because I've got a huge backlog of stuff I want to listen to yeah um, but I was listening to something else with my son at one and a half speed and so this one I just left it instead of changing the setting every time I switch books. Uh, and and I actually think like I absorbed more of the book better um, as a result of slowing down just a little bit. So when I, I think when I have the time, especially for a more complex book, it's actually maybe worth slowing down just a little bit. But but one speed time is like painful. Like I also yeah. listen to a lot of NPR podcasts, and then every now and then I hear it on actual NPR. It's like oh my gosh, that's what they sound like. That's so boring. <laughs> you know? Oh god. So. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that was my little petty thing and. Uh, um, I contacted the author. She did not know until fairly recently there was a new version. Okay. Um, which, uh, oh, I, I'm so sorry, Pat. Um, and, and actually, now that you mention it and, I'm, and we're talking about it and I'm thinking about it, I did kind of notice uh, not what you're talking about, but some inconsistencies in the accents. Like yes. they would come and go sometimes, and and that was, I, I at least made note of that. But it wasn't a huge deal to me. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't like when when you listen to some books and they're talking about dro instead of drown and that kind of stuff. 
that that yeah. chased me. Yeah, honestly, thank you for humoring me. I I can actually <laughs> talk about the book now, okay. but uh, it it took a lot to get there. Well, and I think it does bring up an important part sometimes uh, with reading these books is that the how the presentation, whether it's audiobook or print, uh, can really matter. Because I remember when before I started doing the audiobooks, and we were doing a lot of the um, review copies that were mm-hmm. PDFs and weren't always formatted as well as they should be, or or were uh, Kindle. Uh, I would not enjoy the book as much because there would, it wasn't uh, fully typeset yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so. and at the same time, like I, I often I remember those conversations early on, and and it still comes up every now and then where we're talking about a book, and and you're just you know people are mentioning a character, and I'm like. I don't know who you're talking about because I only have the pronunciation. So you can even spell it for me, and I have no idea who you're talking about. Yeah, right? because I've never right. se- I've never seen the name spelled, and especially with some of the fantasy settings, it can get really crazy. Oh yes. Cool. So I think uh, now that we've talked about how the book was presented, presented in audio form, maybe yeah. we should talk about what the book's <laughs> about. What the book's about? Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey, Eric, you haven't talked at all. Uh, why don't you tell us well, about? I didn't have any comments about the audio book. Yeah. Why, why don't you tell us about uh, what Istrad is about? Well, a story of betrayal, and basically, uh, oh no, Strahd is the second born from his family, so he's taking care. Of, I believe uh, he's the taking care of the land of the uh, Borovia for his family, and then uh, he's been told by his servants that there's a traitor that wants the Belvazi. Like that, yeah. I'm gonna believe you. And uh, <laughs> his his younger brother shows up, who's supposed to become a priest, or he becomes ordained. But he also his brother uh, falls in love with uh, Titania, which is some peasant girl. Peasant girl, but it is a, not just a peasant girl. It's a beautiful peasant girl, which Strahd falls in love with just by looking at her and. <laughs> Basically, conspires to kill off. Oh, see, basically, uh, with one of the books that he's gotten about dark magics, he makes a deal with some demonic forces, and basically, which grants him immortality and his heart's desire. Yeah, that part was actually kind of weird to me because it wasn't really demonic forces. <laughs> I think it's it's the 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 fabled sort of dark powers of Ravenloft, right? Um, and yeah. I didn't and I didn't necessarily get the impression that like he called up to to talk to them and make a deal. I felt like he was just going through his his creepy creepy thing that he's doing, yeah. and like they suddenly well, reach, reached found, out to him out of the blue and said, "Hey, well, he, he be found a the he found the two pages because the thing is he was the the nobleman who on a, as a hobby collected magic books, yeah. a, and then he was looking for like magic Viagra or whatever because um, <laughs> he he was having a crisis of age." You know, because his uh, younger brother shows up, has a beautiful woman. She calls him Elder, not his name, mm-hmm. and it's 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 kind of creepy. And uh, you know, and then he's like, "Oh, I can! F- I found a spell sealed between these two pages with wax. That's like mm. get your heart's desire. And if I if I know this spell, I can make her love me." And um, that was. Uh, uh, and then when he couldn't cast the spell, that's when like dark demons started tormenting him. Yeah. Yeah. 
because yeah, it, the spell seemed to have even not just the wax as protection, but there was some illusion, some glamour on it because the components of the spell kept changing on him each time he read it. Yeah, this was kind of surreal for me because uh, I, I don't read D and D fantasy books. Uh, I uh, I kind of go for you know make your own world kind of thing. So I, I kind of. I don't know, dodge uh, some of the official fiction. Mm -hmm. So I was I was kind of interested in this because I was like, okay, you know what? Ravenloft's a weird place. I know nothing about Strad besides the Dracula analog. And um, yeah, so it was it was kind of interesting how they did and did not account for this being kind of your first jump um, mm. in into this world. Yeah, and, and it's worth noting that while you're not necessarily accustomed to D&D fiction, um, I don't think the author is either, because no. she, she only wrote these two books for D&D, and that was it. Yeah, well, actually, I mean, at the time, uh, again, Research Monkey, mm -hmm. uh, her website is vampwriter.com, and I think the only thing she's written is vampire fiction. Like I thought I saw something about her doing steampunk stuff recently. I think recently, yeah. but like the first 20 years or something, it's it, it's all uh, the gentleman vampire, mm -hmm. uh, detective noir vampire. It, it, you know, it's 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 kind of her theme. And like, mm -hmm. so this was so when, when uh, I chatted with her, one of the things she talked about is, well, to quote, um, she did the best she could with the guidelines um, that she had to work within. Hmm. And she's happy with how it turned out. So. I th I think at the time she probably you know I I don't know it it's it's interesting but I I think Tracy was talking er um earlier that she'd actually written some for D and D or was I'm that sorry, what? oh I'm sorry you <laughs> sorry we were talking before uh d I'm sorry before the I, recording I, um before the recording my apologies um did she write some for D and D or am I insane I'm I don't remember that <laughs> okay never mind I must be insane. Yeah, I mean, I looked, I looked, because I did a not as much research as you did. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't talk to her, but I did look up a few things because I'm like, I've, I've always wondered who this Pian Alrod is, and and that's always been on this Istrad book that I've been hearing about since I was in middle school or oh, wow. high school or whatever, whenever it came out. And my friends read it and loved it and and whatever. Um, so I'm, you know, I, I'm like, I, I wonder who this person is and what they're up to and, and what other books they've written in their, in, you know, D and D that I haven't read yet. Cause whatever, there's a lot, they used to publish a lot of them. Um, yeah. so, so I, I looked up and I'm like, Oh, it's, it's just the two. Okay. Yeah. And, and then it's a lot all. of other vampire stuff. And then yeah. Yeah, it looks like yeah. just recently she started doing some steampunk stuff as well. Yeah. Which by the way, those other books are the ones I kept finding at used bookstores, not this one. Oh yeah. <laughs> I just did a search on RPG geek on, uh, on El, El, on uh, Her name. Elrod, mm -hmm. and I got one, two, three, four, five uh, dragon and dungeon issues. Ah, so she wrote, wrote for the magazines. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not completely insane. Thank nope. you. Yeah. <laughs> Only partially insane. Only. Well. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so yeah. So so we're going with the summary of this. Th this is pretty much the let's like tell the story from the villain's perspective mm -hmm. this is like grendel you know for beowulf mm -hmm. you know this is i don't know yeah, yeah well, and i think that's where the looking at the title becomes important because the fact that it says memoir of like it doesn't really say that as far as i remember in the book that this is from 
necessarily his point of view in that way. Well, that's that's actually the foreword is no. uh, Van Richten um, breaking in and describing himself as a middle aged herbalist reading uh, Strahd's diary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, and uh, by the way, that voice, the uh, Paul, Paul Bamer, uh, to be fully honest, the guy had a different voice for Van Richten. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was only for the first 16 minutes of the book. Um, after that, it got much better. But yeah, his Van Richten voice was the one that scared me. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> although- is that same voice at the end in the epilogue? Because Van yeah. Richten also is an epilogue. Uh, yes and no. Um, he kind of forgot by the end. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that was part of the thing for me with the how the book was written, because so I believe it's first person all the way through. I can't remember, and I don't. I'm I'm better at remembering those sorts of details if I read the physical book. Um, but uh, it felt a lot like it was telling his story, but it was being undercut in ways that made it feel almost like an unreliable narrator thing. Mm. If that makes any sense. Oh, definitely. Uh, so that's why it's like. I had to keep reminding myself that it was a memoir, supposedly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, uh, and and, and that actually, like, cause, and that's something I want to talk about, right? Is because it's written as a memoir, as as it's it being written from Strahd's perspective, um, and I'm and I just I'm curious how how reliable or unreliable it is, right? Because like the book, in some ways, like clarifies so much of the Ravenloft story that I've known from the adventures for a long time now. Um, but at the same time, like there are some fairly significant changes to the original lore. I'm pretty sure in the original lore, um, part of him becoming a vampire and the curse was that he was also responsible for the death of his brother and killed him. Whereas in the novel, if I'm remembering right, he didn't, right? He, oh, he, he, he totally kills his brother. Yeah. Does he? I, I, oh, I knew, oh he yeah. Killed, he, he killed, like, his advisor or whatever, right? But He killed his advisor, but... Uh, he Alex? killed his advisor to, um, um, I don't know, unlock the dark magic, but then mm-hmm. he just goes and up and kills his brother. Oh, see, I, I, must, have, I must have been distracted while I was listening to that part. That happens sometimes. He him with one of the, the assassin daggers... Uh, oh yeah, 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 I do remember that yeah. now. So, so one question. I mean, if you're, you're, if you're, uh, is anybody here like an old school Ravenloft fan? I mean, I've been playing the original adventure for years. Okay, that's 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 that that'll do. Um, is are is the priesthood are clerics known for being kind of smelly, ho- like hobo priests? Is, uh, so, is, so is I, that the default? I don't think the original adventure and even the second edition version that, that I'm not as familiar with. Um, really took up the page space to get into that much detail, honestly. Of yeah, because of... because that we were talking about unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. Um, when uh, towards the end, when they just show up and he describes, oh, I hate those smelly priests and uh, their terrible churches and they never use soap and like basically they're described as kind of these monster, the, like the, these monster men. Mm-hmm. And we're we're talking to somebody who can't walk into on, on holy land, you know, can't you know is affected by holy symbols. Of course, he doesn't like holy objects, mm-hmm. and that's part of that section of the book. But he describes them like they're like human trash, and I I kind of think that leads a lot of weight to like these are definitely like his mm-hmm. you know memoirs, and I, I I don't know. I think that was that was something that I was like. I don't know the lore of, of old Ravenloft enough to know if this is just a Strahd thing or if there is just like, 
if you choose to be a cleric, you're not allowed to bathe or shave ever again. <laughs> yeah, not that I, I think that it may just be a Strahd thing. Uh, okay. On, okay. The, on the other cool. hand, to, to as a strike against it being, um, you know, a memoir, uh, Strahd comes off as a real jerk, like from the beginning, right? He doesn't. He certainly is not making himself look good, and the, and he makes no effort to bias the story to to, to whitewash it at all. You know. I don't know how how did he? Uh, I don't know. What? I mean, he came off as as a bit of a of a bloodthirsty jerk for, even from the beginning when they were conquering Barovia. It, it seems like. Yo, so yeah. I'm not an evil like Baron or Count or whatnot, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I would include in my memoirs a whole discussion about how I didn't really care to listen to uh, the people under me um, their stories about their home life. Like those sorts of details that yeah. I think was was like trying like it makes sense because of how they're trying to set up the character and then there's this big turnaround in his opinion once he meets Tatiana and and all this stuff. But if I were writing my memoirs, I don't think that's what I would include right. about how indifferent I am to the people under me. Yeah. Well, I, I read him. He, he felt arrogant in this post. He was oh totally mm-hmm. higher than all of them. So that's why when I was reading that, I was like. Okay, so an arrogant person might write that in their memoirs because, like, yeah, usually peons there. Yeah, I, I actually, I mean, I when I was was listening to it, and I actually was thinking, like, oh god, this is going to be like, you know, first person. This is weird. This is going to actually be his memoirs, and not just like a biopic. Um, I was, I was terrified because that's really hard to do. I've seen that screwed up a lot. And uh, I don't know. I I thought I thought they did they did a good job. There are issues, but um, yeah. I kind of thought the the premise didn't um, uh, fall flat because like some of the things that would not have been mentioned in memoirs are uh, are like how he discovers he's affected by the sun, you know? Because in the book, it, it jumps from him being kind of sleepy on day one, like lethargic. Mm. And then there's a 50-year jump, and he's just like, the sun will burn me, and I can't go on holy land, and this is how I create vampires. And none of that's in the book, um, as if those are his secrets, you know? Mm. You know, I mean, just, just to, to lead credence to the, to the premise, you know? maybe right, that right. just. I mean, uh, obviously they assumed, okay, they play D&D, they know how this works. Right. But they, um, but they also don't want to, you know, it makes sense that Strahd wouldn't leave a book laying around his house that says, oh, by the way, here's all my strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, and that, and that's <laughs> not in the book. Like, like you know, like, Van Richten, the premise is Van Richten's reading this, trying to find, like, secrets and whatnot. And, of course, he learns some stuff, but it's not like, like, there's just little hidden things. The, the worst thing they get is when he's, he mentions, like, about running water and how that can hurt him. Mm. Well, I sort of imagine, like, when Van Green find this book, that there are some pages that are probably ripped and missing, and maybe maybe it's placed somewhere else, which could be the sequel. I don't know. Oh, I would I would have loved to the print copy just have pages missing on purpose. Oh, oh yeah, cool. <laughs> that would be fun. Yes, but uh, when you men- talked to Pat, did you ask if it was her decision to do it as a memoir, or was it uh, given out by uh, TSR at that time? No, no, no. Basically, my my only question was 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 about uh, the process for audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and she volunteered some more information, and she was very nice. But uh, I I uh, I didn't trouble her with uh, too much stuff. 
Okay. Which is, you know, to our detriment. Sure. Well, but but probably, you know, appropriate. <laughs> you know, she was super nice. Yeah. yeah. yeah no. like, to come up to her and say, hey, by the way, can you tell us more about this book that you wrote, you know, ages ago? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I, was, I, I was shocked that, that she was so friendly. So yeah, that's, that's, cool. that's cool. Yeah. So, so did anybody else also sort of feel like this was almost two books? Like, it's clearly a story broken into two parts. There's the story of how Strahd became a vampire and the curse was done or whatever. And I feel like you could have almost stopped there and had a complete story. Like, the climax is and, that, and Tatiana falls and now he's a vampire, right? Oh, oh God, um, no. But then at, in the second half, you get this whole additional storyline, which, which, of course, establishes the whole Tatiana rebirth and constant death sort of storyline which is really important to the curse of strahd uh but there's this whole like chasing this priest around thing or what you know or the guy who's hiding out in the in the temple and he's covered everything in wards which is really kind of unrelated it's kind of a b plot although it takes an a position for a long time well wait is that the guy that basically says and then i uh, forgot about my oath of vengeance for 50 years it could be him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That 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 was Leo. There, there, there were there were some issues where, uh, yeah, I, I, I could see how this book could have been abridged because, um, I mean, you you talk about like the the Tatiana and like the betrayal and how he becomes Strahd. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the first thing you remember from this book? Like, like the first memorable thing I picked up on was the the bandit scene. Where we, uh, you know, okay, I mean, in all vampire fiction, you have to kind of have a little homoeroticism. It's, 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 it's kind of, uh, it's kind of required. Um, the closest thing we get here is the Alex hanging off the cliff scene. Yes. Like, yeah, okay. Because the problem is the fight scene is like, like, it's a short paragraph, maybe two. But I, I, you, you read the book. Was it Eric? Yes. Okay, sorry, I'm terrible name. So, fine. Uh, um, yeah. So, how how long was the dangling over the cliff, my oh. lord? Uh, um, I must cut you. I disallow it. I will make you bleed just a little, my lord. Yeah. No, it, it was much longer than the fight itself. From what yeah. Also, yeah. Her combat is not like okay, done. But yeah, that the mm-hmm. interaction sounds much much stronger and much closer, and you see that so. Yeah, and I, I I thought that was a lot of uh, um, more telling about his relationship and the kind of person he was. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I think I mean the 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 preview or whatever the the not the, the opposite of the epilogue with Van Richten the forward oh, forward the forward with Van Richten that was memorable to me because I know of Van Richten as an important character in in the setting. Um, and so that was memorable. Other than that, the the first real memorable scene for me uh, that really stands out to me is the discovery of the castle after he'd sort of finished conquering the land. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that stood out not only because the castle is sort of memorable on its own, but it's also the the first and po- possibly biggest departure from lore um, 
established oh, really? in the adventures because in the adventures it's very specifically described he built that castle from the ground up <laughs> whereas in the yeah. in the novel it's oh there's already a castle here it already has the impossible impossibly tall towers which is something we talked about in the adventure review a couple days ago so um, so what so what you're saying is in the actual lore he didn't name it after his mother Ravien Lufthansa oh no he did that okay yeah no he named it after his mother Ravenovia or whatever yeah whatever her name is um but but he but he built the castle from the ground up, like from the foundations up. It was all him, and and you know the wizards and whoever he hired, they did it through magic, and it took years and and whatever. Um, whereas this time it was it was a renovation. It was a hey, there's already a fully formed castle here. Let's just fix it up and you know add some dungeons because you know I'm going to be a vampire someday, and we got to make sure we have good dungeons. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 totally. I, I don't know. I, I thought that, um, I mean, we talked about how uh, uh, Elrod's, this is like her first like, D&D novel, mm-hmm. um, and she's done a lot of vampire fiction. It kind of felt like, besides the fact that, like, I, I was list, re- listening to this as if it was like prehistory D&D, mm-hmm. because like, the wizards weren't really mentioned, and it's like, wait, this guy led an army, but he had no wizards, but of mm-hmm. course he has clerics. And they know the specifics of how the raised dead spell works, which, you know, you know, makes sense. Mm-hmm. But um, I kind of feel that the it, as a standalone novel, if it had been like, then this great warrior got some wizards and, and did all this, it wouldn't have the, uh, the Bram Stoker's Dracula, mm-hmm. uh, um, I don't know, source material there. Well, and it kind of walks a weird line there, too, right? Because... Yeah. Because there's no wizards, but there's very specific ideas about how Ray's dead works. There's, I mean, I don't think we ever meet a, a, a character who's not human either. Like, there's no dwarves, elves, gnomes, halflings, whatever. That there's appear. an Irishman. There's an Irishman. They're, well, he's from a land far, far away, and during funerals they get drunk, and uh, that, yeah, they, yeah, it's it's kind of funny, right? But but I mean, it's missing some of these standard, you know. I mean, and, and honestly, Ravenloft as a whole, it's kind of that way anyway. Like, if you read the adventures of Barovia, yeah. like, all, all of the NPCs are human, or all, many of them. In the newest version, and I don't know if this comes from an older version or not, I don't remember it from the original, there's a large contingent of what they call dusk elves running around as well. But other than that, it's, you know, it's all pretty much humans anyway. Yeah. Um, this, this is gypsy time, right? Like th- this, this is when RPGs could still use the word gypsies. Well, they didn't. They called them Vistani. Well, well that's oh, no, what they, they call them the now. They're definitely oh, did gypsies. They? In did the they book. call them gypsies in the book? Oh, oh yeah. I, I didn't even catch that. Oh yeah, yeah. They they're they're totally just gypsies, and gypsies won't even take the, won't steal from this. And like, mm-hmm. oh god. Well, and I looked at uh, I six before we started recording, mm-hmm. and I believe they use gypsy in there too. They might. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder when they made that switch. Um, probably, I would, I would guess around 96, uh, there was, oh god, see, trivia time, um, White Wolf got sued because they made a book called Gypsies, and, uh, the Roma people who were actually named, like, the family was, Mm. was named in the book, sued them, and they lost, so that's, shortly after that, Gypsy became kind of a bad topic. Sure, yeah, yeah, Uh, it might, yeah, because, I mean, they, I'm pretty sure by the third edition version of the adventure it was vistani yeah all the way. i was certainly familiar with the, the term vistani going back but uh but yeah no i hadn't even 
I yeah, actually, I, I they Vistani's in this too. I think they just took the the Roma people and called them Vistani, but they were still called Gypsies. Oh, okay. So they were using Gypsy not as a as an ethnic group, but as a term for people who wander. Uh, I think it was more for the ethnic group that was named the Vistani. Oh, okay, so it's a specific type of gypsy. Yeah, yeah is what they were going I think for. So I, I... It's, yeah, and it's a it's an interesting po- line to walk. Yeah, and we should probably point out that um, for some people, gypsy is not a term that they want use refer to refer to anybody. They feel right. kind of a slur. Yeah, yeah I, 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 in Europe, you're you're definitely not allowed to use it. Yeah. No, absolutely, and 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 I think we get that. That's but we're referring to their reference of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, exactly. We're, we're we are we are talking about the racial slur in the book, right? And, and its usage, which is right. you know, yeah. Um. So weird, weird question. How much of a creeper is Strahd to you guys? So, I've I've heard um, Tracy Hickman, who wrote the he and his wife wrote the original adventure. Um, speak about his take on vampires, and, and it's f- this felt fairly consistent with that. In that, his take on vampires is that they are inherently and by their nature a, a metaphor for abusive relationships. Um, and so, I felt like this was fairly consistent with that because he was a pretty serious creeper, especially yeah. once Tatiana was on the scene. Right? He was a pretty ser- like inappropriately serious creeper. Um, yeah, yeah. There was there was some sign where he takes her arm and he and she does not suspect my boner or whatever. Like like they like she does not know my feelings. Right. And I will earn her trust. And mm-hmm. oh god. Well, there's a whole bunch of like I'm gonna make her love me sort of. Yeah. Narrative, yeah. Oh wait, wait, wait. What's the what's the quote? Hold on. Um, I would teach her more of love than she dreamed or even wanted. <laughs> yeah, that last part is like no, right. no, no. She's you shouldn't be teaching anything love. they don't want. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. And the the worst part is like we we I mean we meant we jumped ahead and mentioned it, but like she's getting reincarnated, and you know he's coming back to her. And like he's trying, and he says every time, you know, I my touch and kiss makes her remember. But the uh, the chapter in the book where he meets her is like, please remember, please remember, please remember. And then there's just page break, and then it cuts to the next day, mm. and she never responds, and we never see her, you know, and we see him using mind control to to you know, well, on women. Um, I and Tatiana originally, um, yeah. you know, very clearly. So there's kind of this weird thing at the end of the book where it's like, okay, he's kind of tragic and he wants to, you know, find his love who keeps getting reincarnated and he keeps losing her. But of course, she never loved him and killed herself to escape him. Right. He, and, is, he is the eternal stalker. Yeah, there's nothing to remember. And the one thing I was really disappointed about, and uh, uh, Tracy, I, 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 I'm, I'm visiting her, and uh, she heard me walking around the apartment talking to this audiobook. And, because, um, you know, I'm not crazy. Um, <laughs> but but uh, I was thinking that she's getting reincarnated, and so is Sergei, her true love. Who, who Strahd killed. So I thought we were going to have this thing where, I mean, he's killing her true love and trying to say that, you know, like, I thought there was going to be more, something more dramatic there. And uh, it's really just kind of, he's insane and kind of a creeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, if you want the 
the conclusion and the possible reunification of Sergei and Tatiana, then then that there is a possibility of that through the adventures. Awesome. Thank um, you. It is not a for sure thing because this whole thing has been going on without that happening for centuries now. Okay, right. so that that's actually addressed in the adventure. Well, there's an there's an, an op, there's a uh, one of the, the the chances of that happening. Yeah, that's one okay. of the possible endings. But it's an ending that has never happened for hundreds of years. Okay. So, but, so that so that's the, the hard out... not good ending. Oh, sorry. Mm, no, no, it's okay. I'm not sure that's necessarily true. But uh, so <laughs> one of the things that made me kind of uncomfortable reading this book and then hearing the adventure called be called the Curse of Strahd because I, I I understand it could refer to the fog and not being able to leave and all that stuff um but part of the quote-unquote tragedy of Strahd is that he must now live forever without his true love because she died Mm -hmm. and then she killed herself um it's really uncomfortable to call that a curse (laughs) because it kind of means like it's justice (laughs) yeah i don't know if it makes any sense but i mean um, i feel like you you can curse yourself by by being a horrible person right well, yeah, but specifically that the curse is that he can't have his true love. The oh, yeah, well, yeah, no, no, no. Doesn't want anything to do with him. No, the the curse is that he did these horrible things because he's a complete jackass. Yeah, you know, he's a jerk. He's a ass, and basically, and, him not be able to get her is his punishment. Right. Uh, but I have problems with mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's like, problematic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How about the fact that she's also eternally punished in in the worst possible way? Is she though? I mean, this this was something that that I I wasn't sure about. Mm. And I mean, you you know the adventure, but like this is my first like like I I read monster manuals, but I don't read adventures because I might actually play them, and I like sure. to be surprised. So so it's it, it limits like what I take in. But here's the thing. I mean, you're you're in, you're you're in Barovia and. A rich guy who rules the land or is like a noble working for that guy, whatever he's pretending to say, comes up to you and says, you are my long lost love. Come to the castle with me. Like, like, I wasn't even sure that she was being reincarnated because she was just like, Mm. I'm unhappy with my terrible, terrible peasant life and someone's given me a way out. Would you just... And he has mind control powers. Mm -hmm. I kind of thought that... He's his 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 uh, Tatiana Tatiana two whatever. Like that's not actually her being reincarnated because she doesn't actually remember in the book. He just says that she remembers. Well, it's even worse though because it wasn't that she was unhappy with her peasant life. It was that she woke up one day and had no memories of anything. And then she is adopted by this guy who then turns really creepy and wants to actually undo the adoption and marry her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she does not want to be married to him. Like, it gets really problematic. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's yeah. like... It's an eternally abusive relationship. And then he's presented as this possible savior character who's going to rescue her for that. But, but you know as a reader that that's not what's going on. Oh, I just thought he was swooping in on vulnerable women. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, um, it is, I think it's never like 100% confirmed, but it's pretty darn certain that she is actually being reincarnated. Um, you know, what are the odds that you're going to have a woman having amnesia wandering into the into the village every, you know, 
couple of decades or whatever. And then I don't the, know. I don't know. It's Ravenloft. That mist well, is weird. And then also through the adventure, you know that the, like the person looks exactly like Tatiana because there's a painting of her in the castle that looks exactly like. Right, right, right. So. They mentioned that painting mm-hmm. out of uh, like out of the blue, and so that that's a big thing in the adventure. Well, it's, I don't know if it's a big thing, but I think it establishes like not only is this person showing up decade after decade after decade, but that they all look identical and have no memory. It's a pretty, uh, uh, you know, and in the the newest version of the adventure actually establishes like the the reincarnation of souls is is a thing that's happening. So, yeah. but there's also the fact that in the book. The dark powers that contact Strad uses the form and voice of Titania mm. to entice him. So it could just be the dark powers of Ravenloft, the dark powers of Barovia, just playing with Strad to punish him for all the stuff he's been bad. Yeah. I, I guess what I was saying is I like the fact that even if you haven't read the adventure and you're interested in mm-hmm. Ravenloft, the book is good enough and vague enough with, with, with obviously touching on lore that I did not know was like hard lore um, that it, I don't know. Like I, I, I enjoyed it and I didn't feel like I have avoided a lot of like uh, RPG like fiction books mm-hmm. because I didn't want to have the world nailed down. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I thought this did a pretty good job of making me... I, I've always... I, I, I'm, I'm a white wolf. I grew up with a, as a white wolf nerd. You know, I, I love, like, vampire gaming. So Ravenloft's always been kind of... It has that appeal, you know, mm-hmm. you know, strong. It's sort has, of the borderline between fantasy D&D and, and white wolf? Well, yeah, and and like there's a Frankenstein doctor in the in his basement, and there's you know psychics are called espers, you know, because of ESP, which is adorable, and like you know, like I like that that kind of pulpy horror D and D vibe, and um, but I was afraid that reading this, it would just be like this is how the world works, mm. and. I, I don't know. It was vague enough that like we're we're sitting here talking about like well yeah this book confirms this and then the new book the lore confirms this, but if you just want to look at the book it's vague enough that you can actually kind of come to your own conclusions mm-hmm. which I think I think is actually a sign of a good book because we're talking about it this much. Yeah, I think so. And, and honestly, uh, a sign of a good DM who who can take that lore and completely pitch it out the window too, right? So. Uh, and just run with it and do what they want. So I think there's a lot of flexibility coming from both angles. So so maybe we've converted Jared over to reading some more gaming-based fiction, huh? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, it depends. It okay. depends. Tracy can uh, recommend so some good ones. I, I, I could be convinced, but uh, I, I feel like I was baited with the Ravenloft thing because it's just like, hey, Jared, you like vampires, right? There you go. Tracy, you were going to say? Uh, so one of the other things that, about um, Tatiana, is it Irina in the second part? Mariana. Um, Mariana, okay. Yeah. Uh, so if those two, and really it may just be one female character overall, were the only female characters in the book, I probably would be much angrier about the book than, mm. <laughs> than I am. But there are other female characters. Like That was the part that saved it for me in some ways. Mm. Because in, in many ways, uh, Tatiana is a MacGuffin, like to 
keep driving Strahd yeah, along. She's ne- she's, 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 she's never a non-character. Yeah. She's a completely non-character. She's an object, if anything, at least to Strahd. Yeah, but there are a bunch of other women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually Which found I... I actually found that um, the novel informed my reading of the adventure as well. And I know I know they went to the novel for some of the source material for it, but there was the woman um, who who wanted revenge on on that one guy, right? And so Strahd turned him, and then they and then like put him in the crypt and sealed him and said, "All right, well." He'll be there for the next forever, you know. That like the horrible, horrible torture. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. going to turn this guy into a, like. So there was that woman that he was that he was uh, helping out, and her family shows up as Strahd worship as a secretly Strahd worshiping family in the adventure, and I thought that was oh a, that's a fantastic. Twist. Yeah, that's really cool. Were there yeah. other women, that, Tracy, that you saw that you liked? Um. Well, there's the Burgermeister. Yeah, and there is some, like, he ends up, even though he has his one true love, he still has other needs <laughs> between the book and... <laughs> yes. But they're but, not, like, they're interested in it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Which actually, when he, when, he, when he does sleep with the uh, the robbed Burgermeister, you know, this is after the 50-year jump, and uh, he's forgotten his, his vengeance oath, um... Yeah, this is uh, where she comes in, and she's the first human he actually talks to in fifty years, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and that whole encounter concludes with her pretty much inviting it in, and he's like, "Well, I only want to do this for tonight," and I think that's and that's clearly what she wants too, and it, it was an odd moment that was actually kind of cool. Mm. Well, also, the high priest was female and was actually like a real character. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was actually hopeful to see some more uh, strong female characters, um, given that they tapped a female author to to write this very male centric uh, traditionally um, story. Um, so I, you know, I, I think I think there could have been more, and I think they've made some efforts in the recent um, the recent adventure um, adaptation. Um, yeah. to, to bring some of that in, but um, and but I yeah. do wonder how much of it is the time period that the, I mean this this novel is fairly old in some ways right yeah uh, i mean this this novel came out right after uh francis ford coppola's uh dracula came out oh did it yeah yeah the the year after and uh yeah i don't know the the timing uh Anne rice fever was a thing mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know um Very good. Well, I think we've talked uh, a lot about the book at this point. Uh, should we give everybody a, a chance to, to give any last thoughts and, and wrap things up? Sure. All right. Who wants to go first? Who wants the first last thought? Uh, I've talked a lot, so I'll get it out of the way. Okay. Um, my, my apologies, for, but the mouth <laughs> just keeps moving. Um, I have learned a vital lesson, and I, I think if you're going to write a fantasy book and you're going to have uh, in a campaign setting that's lasted this many editions and just kind of keeps going and is now a board game that I'm looking out on the shelf, um, <laughs> if you have a, a named NPC uber villain, um, you have to make them awesome. And uh, do not f with Strahd was kind of a a a, a lesson I learned reading this, because 
if you're reading this as a player or like Van Richten in the book, you're like, okay, how can I take this guy? Because he's the the enemy, and I don't know, an army couldn't do it, a wizard who had a Batman 50 years to plan the perfect trap, the perfect trap <laughs> of 50 years didn't work. Um, well, and, and the punishment that that guy got, though. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> that it's whole worst. being turned into a vampire and then sealed into a crypt to slowly oh. starve him to death. You know? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, no, no, that's horrible. Yeah. But, like, that was the thing is, is that... You know, I know in a lot of old modules and stuff, when an important NPC shows up, there's always these kind of escape, you know, buttons or this is what happens. And I, I kind of get the idea that if Strahd actually shows up, it's not a, a fight that you fight. And um, I don't know. I, I think that even if you're not into the old stuff and you actually like the even the, the, the new Curse of Strahd, and you just kind of want to flesh out the character, this is kind of an awesome uh, look into that. Mm -hmm. But he is a creeper, and you have to know that. And uh, But yeah, no. Like, yeah. Do not F with Strahd. Most vital lesson I learned from this whole experience. Don't forget that just because he's the protagonist, that he's totally the antagonist. Oh, totally. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, totally. Okay, other last thoughts? Here I'll go. Uh... Reading the, this, like, being a memoirs and all that, I was kept reading it and thinking of, like, hey, how, applying maybe to a, a game and all that where you have a big villain and all that and maybe the players do find memoirs and maybe you can do a flashback scene and play it through certain scenes, through games so the players can find out mm -hmm. a clue like Van Winston is trying to do of how to defeat a bad guy. Yeah, and in fact, in fact, if I'm remembering right, the the Curse of Strahd adventure actually, and and it actually goes back to the classics. Um, they do that. There is a there is a tome of Strahd that has been part of the adventure for a long time that you can find, um, and it's a neat idea to take into other things. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So in any time that you have a big, huge villain, and you want to flesh it out, either write your own story and provide clues in a book, or maybe. Do a little event, do a little side adventure where the mm. players can make decisions. Uh, have the overall plot going, but little details can be happening, which might or might not be true, depending on on the view. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, what kind of megalomania does it does it imply in a villain that they take the time to to write their memoirs because they're so important that you know posterity is going to want to know about them, even though they've already lived for centuries. Major villains tend mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. Can I say one more thing? I know I, I I've already said my final thing. You can say but what, yeah, whatever you want. That 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 epilogue where Van Richten sneaks away in the night. The reason the tone shifts back to Strahd is that the implication is Strahd knows Van Richten read the journal mm -hmm. and then continues to write into it. So it's kind of that. Uh, um, uh, what what is it? Thriller. The 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 monster looks to the camera and is aware of the audience the whole time. Yeah, and it's it's it actually ties back to something I was going to say that ties to that and what what you had said with your final thought was um, Strahd is somebody you don't mess with, 
And this certainly gives me a, a deeper picture of him. Um, and, and certainly I, I plan on running the adventure at some point, And this gives me a, a more fully fleshed NPC. Uh, because you do encounter Strahd. And like you said, he's not somebody you mess with. And, uh, you, you know, you kind of mentioned that, like, when you do encounter him, is it's not really the kind of thing where you, you encounter him to... to you know, go head to head with him because that doesn't it wouldn't go well because he's such no such challenge a... rating on on shaking hands with Strahd. Right, um, but but that said, the way the adventures are actually written is that you actually run into Strahd a bunch, and that's part of the horror oh, wow. of the setting. Right, is that no. is that he he actually keeps purposely bringing adventures into his realm because he needs something to toy with. Like so, you're you're going to survive those impossible encounters with Strahd. But not because you're clever, because he doesn't actually want to kill you yet. He'll get around to that later, you know? Oh, and, God, that's awesome. Which, which leads to the credence of the, uh, if, since Strahd knows that someone will be reading his memoir, or the memoirs that we're currently reading, his actual original real memoirs, mm-hmm. or something he, he created and left behind after several centuries of being a vampire and just a toy with whoever's going to read it yeah you kind of you kind of get the impression that uh, at least i got the impression in that epilogue that that's what we're we're seeing there is that yeah strahd knew he that van richten was reading it and he's cool with it because he's totally just toying with van richten yeah Yeah, no completely tracy last thoughts uh i thought it was interesting seeing a uh, character that had a connection to a land in a way that we mm-hmm. normally see with elves in fantasy, but mm-hmm. was totally not an elf. Yeah, and a very different connection oh. to the land, but yeah, he was connected to the land, wasn't he? Oh, wow. Yeah, and and in the adventure, he can sense a lot of things that are going on, so mm-hmm. it, so yeah, so it's, it's a strong connection to everything within Barovia. Yeah, yeah, they even sort of, um, like, one of the tropes from the adventures going back is is this phrase, I am the land, right? Strahd is the land. Um, and and they, they integrate that into this story fairly well. Um, there was a, it was just sort of a throwaway, like, oh, this is the stupid ceremony we do when we conquer a new land that they did in the castle when they first showed up, right? And one of the things that he says is, I am the land. And then they sort of, he sort of comments on it later about how, you know, thanks to this curse, I, I really am now. Right. right. Uh, and, and so, yeah, that was an interesting sort of uh, play on that. I was I'm impressed with um, given especially uh, Jared's interaction with the author um, and, and sort of her implication that she just sort of had to write within the confines that she was given. Um, that wouldn't necessarily imply to me that that um, there's going to be a real strong sync up between what she's doing and, and, you know, the rest of the lore and the setting and all that kind of stuff. But I'm really impressed, actually, with how well. I feel like this does not take away from anything else that I've seen in Ravenloft, but adds to it. So um, I applaud the process because it seemed to have worked this time. Yeah, I I still love the fact that minus a couple of things, like I think only two or three points, this did not come across as a D&D novel. Mm-hmm. Other, like, than, other than this is how Ray's Dead works. It, now, e- even that, <laughs> it was just treated like commonplace. I, I think it was more like just the jump and then saying, oh, yeah, everybody knows about the Ravenloft mists. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah there was just, just little things like that. But, like, yeah, no, I actually, like, yeah, I totally agree. Awesome. All right. Well, any other last, last thoughts or shall we wrap it up? Um, I've said enough. Thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> 
Well, that's the end of this episode of the Tome Show Book Club. <laughs> we want to say thanks to our guest, Jared von Hindemann. Jared, if people want to seek you out on the internet, where can they find you? I have a website, headinjurytheater.com, um, but uh, Twitter works, Jared von Hindemann. And for people, who do, for people who don't know at Head Injury Theater, uh, you are an artist and they can find the, the gallery of all of uh, Yeah, I'm an artist, uh, an artist and a writer, and uh, I used to do both for uh, Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. So. He wrote the, the D&D Outsider column that, during the 4th edition era, is that right? Yep, yep. I also brought back uh, the uh, cartoons uh, to uh, Dragon mm-hmm, Magazine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, and we also want to thank our listeners. Thanks for using the affiliate links at uh, DMs Guild and Amazon. And if you'd like to contact us, you can send us an email at thetomeshow at gmail.com or call our biz line, 919-BIZ-TOME. That's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. And you can find us online. I'm at Sarah Dark Magic on Twitter and saradarkmagic.com. You can find Jeff me. Is... Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. As I say, you can find me on Twitter as at Squatch A A No, you can find me as at Squatch at S Q U A C H. You can find me Eric at on Twitter at Eric M Pack E R I C M P A Q. And you can find show notes and other great Tome Show shows over at thetomeshow.com. That is our thoughts on I Strahd. Keep turning the page, Tomites. I'm off the wall.